welcome to Freedom to Fight. I am your host, Anura Mathis, and I'm very excited to share this episode. I have the unique honor and privilege of interviewing someone so influential to me. I uh, decided after meeting him that I would start this podcast, so very influential to me. Um, And I'll be honest, I took some time in editing this episode because some emotions came up for me that I needed to process. So, um, but that's what this episode is about. And this project, this podcast is about is our connection to our mental health and that connection to martial arts and vice versa and, and to others. Um, and everything in between. <laughs> um, so naturally, that was my response. And this is uh, just such an important uh, conversation, um, I believe, uh, to share. Um, also, I want to share that I am just an average person. <laughs> I am learning how to be a podcaster and how to do this. So I'm just kind of learning as I go. Uh, If you are enjoying these episodes or have any feedback, uh, send me an email or DM me um, on uh, Instagram. It's freedomtoconnect at protonmail.com or freedom underscore the number two underscore fight is my Instagram profile name. Uh, Come find me and reach out to me. So without further ado, I would like to intervie- introduce my interviewee, um, Professor Robert Wonderluck. He is a very influential person. Honestly, he's an icon in several communities, communities I'm not even aware of. So um, he is a third degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He is the owner and founder of the Academy of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Nevada, Colorado, and he's also the lead instructor of the Shuken Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Association uh, that I'm a part of. Um, I'm a part of that through my gym, through Limitless Martial Arts, and through his gym, and there's three others throughout Colorado and Wyoming um, that are a part of this association. So. Um, he's a very important person, <laughs> and I'm very honored uh, to have shared this time with him. So I will stop talking <laughs> and share the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Okay. No reason to be nervous, by the way. <laughs> You're intimidating. Why? <laughs> I don't know, honestly. I don't know exactly why, but it's something. Okay, just take a breath. You're, you're obviously in a safe space. Yes. We're all good. I have no, like I just go into these kind of natural. I don't have any preconceived ideas of questions, nothing. So everything's gonna go great. Go great. Pause. (laughs) 
I know exactly why I'm intimidated by him. Uh, I just mentioned all of his titles, but I was just super nervous. Okay, unpause. Hi, everyone. <laughs> uh, your host and your Mathis. I'm with an amazing person, Professor Robert. Um, I want you to introduce yourself because I don't want to miss anything. Oh, it's, it's okay. Um, my name is Robert Wunderlich. I'm a third degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I'm the owner and operator of the Academy of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Arvada. I'm also the head instructor for the Shukanin Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Association, um, to where there's five schools under that association, uh, three here in the Denver area and then two in Wyoming. Um, I also have a background in anthropology. Um, I got a master's degree from the University of Wyoming and worked as a professional archaeologist for about 20 years. And I'm also a men's coach. Um, so in the, what I refer to as the, the work kind of field, the inner work, um, and uh, yeah. Wow, <laughs> lots of titles. <laughs> Too many, I guess. Okay, so I'm just gonna kind of dive into your history. You you gave me all of your all of your titles, yeah. but um, I guess more specifically, what got you into this realm of things? What got you into jujitsu? Um, so I didn't have any idea how to defend myself, and I knew from a young age that I had a problem with anger problem with aggression I should say I'm learning a lot about anger and aggression lately is that anger is an emotion that is, is okay to have we're, we're we try to deny and stamp down anger but I don't want to get too far down the weeds and stick to the question but um, that I knew that I had some frustrations and aggression and um, didn't know how to deal with some of those things so it actually frightened me I'm six foot three you know I was 200 and 15 pounds in high school and uh, I didn't want to possibly see red per se get into an altercation see red and and wake up to me having accidentally or unintentionally killed someone so um, and just the fear and the anxiety that goes behind not knowing how to do something um, especially when it comes to defending ourselves in a possible scenario so um, I also went to undergrad at the University of Northern Colorado, and after getting my degree there, um, I had gained a lot of weight. Um, I was walking around almost 280 pounds um, and wanted to get back into something competitive. I played football for eight years growing up, um, so uh, jiu-jitsu I had gotten an exposure to while at the University of Northern Colorado. I don't really count it in my time spent doing jiu-jitsu just because um, I worked with a, another white belt and we just got together for about eight or nine months um, and then in 2004 I moved back down <clears throat> to Denver and uh, yeah just sought some answers and sought a way for me to be able to compete a way for me to get healthy and um, started jiu-jitsu at Colorado Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as it was called um, then and um, under Professor Dave Ruiz and uh, yeah, haven't really stopped since. Yeah. So it's pretty incredible. I I applied to University of Northern Colorado. Oh, nice. Um, 
I didn't pursue that, but I kind of mentioned what's going on about that. So, um, but I'm glad that that didn't work out because I had space to find this. Absolutely, and that's the way I think a lot of people, you know, um, sometimes when doors close, there's just, it may not, it's that initial shock to the system or that initial ugh that just makes you not feel good that something didn't happen your way but the opportunities that lie just on the other side of the open door that just opened for you, um, a lot of times are, are better for you and make you who you are in the long run. Definitely. Um, you know, so just imagine how one of those small shifts could have changed, you know, could change the whole, your whole life. So, yeah. I feel like that's happened with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, with, with MMA in general, the, the few that I'm studying, mm -hmm. I, I feel like there's, I will never be the same. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jiu Jitsu is one of those things that's profound. Uh, for me, martial arts in general is something that's profound in many ways. Um, I've also done some Muay Thai kickboxing in the past, and um, I think it's, uh, it exposes you to discomfort yes and it pushes envelopes in a different way and especially in the beginning there's so much growth both physically and mentally that it it, it truly changes people um, I think at this stage and just knowing um, this stage in my life personally that I um, see and understand how many black belts have unfortunately committed suicide, you know, that jiu-jitsu can also have kind of, jiu-jitsu and martial arts can also have an element to where it's something that we can use to bypass, it's something that we can use for avoidance, you know, and I think that if you, if people are out there struggling, if they are out there having a hard time mentally, and their only reprieve is coming in and getting, you know, not thinking about it, quote unquote, and then immediately stepping back out the door and they're just right back into the, into the thick of things. And um, it also, I think, can create a opportunity for people to get a little, you know, like, oh, but I'm in this position and I can't look weak. So I can't reach out for help. I, you know, so things along those lines, I think it's a, the integration of those two, I think it's really, really powerful. Um, getting out and having, you know, I've hired multiple therapists in the last couple of years hired multiple coaches in the last couple of years. Um, I've really taken some deep dives into me to better understand my programming and understand why I am the way I am. And I, I highly recommend anybody do that. Certainly, yeah. I spend, I should sh share this with my audience, I spend quite a bit of time uh, in therapy. I, I have a talk therapist, I've gone through EMDR therapy, which is the type of therapist I am, trauma therapist. Mm. Um, are you familiar with that term, EMDR? I'm not, actually. Um, it's uh, eye movement uh, desensitization reprocessing. Nice. So I've, it's, I've heard about it now, now that it's described. Okay. Just, yes, that's awesome. Reprocessing traumatic memories. Making space to create a, another story. And really, that's what BJJ has done for me is allowing me to create space for another story. 
Yeah, that's, uh, it's one of the major proponents of jiu-jitsu is learning how to create space and mm -hmm. um, just understanding the different elements of training, you know, being able to, like what we re refer to as a frame. Um, the frame, just like the room that we're in, there's beams that are above us um, that they may not be able to see, and that's a frame, and that frame is holding that ceiling. And that frame is allowing us to do jujitsu under it. Just like a frame, when you build a frame in jujitsu, it allows you to move yourself. Mm -hmm. So that structure also applies to the work in many ways that us being able to better understand and build a frame for us and hold space for ourselves to actually be able to process and work through some things is, is uh, yeah, it's, it's beautiful actually. It's an amazing thing, so. Yeah, I, I figured I'd be way more emotional. I'm, I'm keeping it together pretty well, <laughs> but it, it means so much to me because there's this profound element. It is very profound, but just something that I connected with that is not really easy to explain. And I think it's because it's not easy. Hmm. That because it's not easy, every single day you go to class, and you walk out from class and you're sweaty and you're a little disheveled and regardless of whether you've gotten tapped a lot in class or whether, you know, like you've gotten punched a lot in class if you're sure. doing striking, whatever it may be, you still walk out with some sense that you grew. You still walk out with some sense that there's accomplishment there. Mm -hmm. You know, especially early on in the journey. You just feel good because you showed up. Right. You know, and, and we lose that though when we start to become more comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Um, that we have a tendency to forget about the 1% better every day, that we just glaze over that 1% and just like, I'm not getting any better. Sure. Um, <laughs> reminds me of a story that I like to tell and it's something that I've, I've definitely described before, but um, so as a blue belt, I went to my professor because I had definitely forgotten what it was like to just get those little 1%. And um, I went to him and told him, I was like, Dave, hit a plateau, my game sucks, it's not getting any better, nothing works anymore, everything that I used to be able to get on people I'm not getting anymore, and um, it just, I just don't feel good about my game. And he, you know, was very accommodating, very kind, and definitely was, you know, um, coddled me in some ways, you know, it was just like, hey, it's gonna be okay, don't worry about it, um, you know, this will pass, your game's definitely gonna get better, just stick with it. And I was like, oh, and he definitely fed my ego in that moment. And sure enough, you know, two, three weeks later, the game, you know, went from a plateau to now having that great growth curve that we all like to feel mm -hmm. um, and witness and see. And then it happened again as a purple belt yeah, a couple years later. And I went to him and I was like, Dave, it's happening again. My game sucks. I hit a plateau. You know, and uh, he literally, before I could really say anything else, he looked me dead in the eye and kind of interrupted me a little bit and was just like, well, you're right. And I was like, <laughs> what? You know, um, I went to him expecting to have the same kind of, you know, basically coddling, just to be like brought forward and held and, you know, elevated. And 
I was offended in that first, you know, split second sure. until he immediately followed with these words. You're right because you've already convinced yourself of such. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. So we just got to be cautious with perception. Got to be cautious with how we choose to look at things because they have a major impact on our psyche and the way that we view the world. So. My relationship with jiu-jitsu, with martial arts in general, um, speaks to what you were mentioning um, before, that you have to be careful uh, with becoming comfortable, with being un uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, and not reaching out for help when you need to. Um, that's kept me from some classes. It's, I'm not um, entirely uh, open to my group just yet you know there's so much trauma in my life although I've shared this publicly it's not something I talk about with my group so having that balance that healthy relationship really matters absolutely and understanding that also it doesn't have to necessarily especially with things that have happened to us especially in those moments we don't necessarily have to take those big leaps also that they can come through time, and that's a part of the process. It's like, I know it's so cliche to say, but finding balance, you know, finding that spot for yourself, and knowing, because we all know, we know deep inside when we're pushing ourselves or not, mm -hmm. or if we're settling. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's, you, it's a distinct feeling, and you know it, and if you're not pushing yourself, to maybe step into that next stage or step into that next class or become, you know, like, sure. then it's like, okay, but I can still take just a small step. And that's the whole thing is like, so many people want to run and so many people just don't want to begin. And it's, it's somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you are running and sometimes you aren't moving and that's okay too, right? I'm, I'm not a believer in like taking steps backwards. I think sometimes we pause. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we need we take some lateral steps to where we might be not sure. be going forward. But reality, it's just we don't go back. You can't go back. You can't go back. Yeah. You know. So just understanding that, and sometimes it's totally valid and okay to just pause and observe and see the lay of the land. Like, where am I going next? Mm -hmm. To just keep on blazing forward. Uh, well, I just trap myself on a cliff and now I'm gonna have to bat like now I don't know which way to go. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm -hmm. So So <laughs> next question. <Of> <laughs> um well so what is it what is BJJ symbolizing your life now? You've kind of mentioned this to me in other occasions, but go ahead. Um, so much. It's, um, for me personally, it's the daily challenge. The daily challenge in teaching, the daily challenge in training myself, um, the ability to see 
the smallest of growth, to really dial into the minutiae, to get to depth, to understand things at depth instead of breadth, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, and then for me, as far as an instructor goes, it's one of the most rewarding things. Um, not because I teach them, not because I teach people, but because I get to witness people begin to see the value and I get to see the shift in confidence and I get to witness, I get to witness people grow for themselves. <laughs> because jujitsu is not mine. I have my jujitsu, but jujitsu is not mine. And people that I don't, that I teach, I don't expect that they do my jujitsu. They do their jujitsu. Sure. And just like how we're all unique, we're all unique psychologically, we're all unique physically, we're all unique in our own ways. Jujitsu is the same. What you may enjoy doing in jujitsu and the way that your game is and the, how you perform your game is never going to be the same as mine. Right? And that's because we're individuals. That has nothing to do with rank. That has nothing to do with anything else. It's just that your mind works in a certain way, and that's how jujitsu is actually it's reflected through people's games. People's personalities are reflected through people's game, you know, like their game in jujitsu. If that makes sense. It does, definitely. Um I I, I think I should ask you some questions about training. Yeah, of course. Like your approach to training. And then I'll shift back to mental health because I... Uh, no problem. Yeah, I've got questions there. So what's your... Um, well, you're an instructor, but I guess as an individual, like how did you approach jiu-jitsu? Did you... I know. <laughs> did you go and journal? Did you... Um, what did you do to kind of solidify this? Solidify the information? Yes. Um, so I've gone through different phases in, just like different phases in life, I've done gone through different phases in jiu-jitsu. Um, in the beginning, I trained as much as humanly possible. Okay. Literally, I trained every, I trained up to 13 times a week Okay. when I was coming up, all the way through to about very early into my brown belt. I trained as much as humanly possible. I also wrote notes, for sure. Um, I was inducted into Dave's instructor program early, so I was inducted into his instructor program as a, as a two-stripe blue belt. Um, and I started teaching in Wyoming as a two-stripe blue belt because no one was teaching jiu-jitsu in Wyoming pretty much at that time. There was a few people teaching a few things that were similar or just, you know, but no one had really started teaching jiu-jitsu in Wyoming. So in 2006, I went to graduate school and um, just was like, I don't want to start doing jiu-jitsu, so I need to create other people for me to train with. <laughs> um, and I've always enjoyed teaching, so I can't say that it wasn't because I also didn't, you know, want to teach and share the information. But, um, so I definitely think that there's a method that people can use to retain more information. 
Um, and that's really using the method that our brain uses to retain information well. Um, so we all learn in different ways, visually, audibly, kinesthetically, meaning how, like how to physically do it and feeling your way through it. Um, so I, sometimes identifying those things for yourself is really important. Like, do people, do I get confused? So I'm a visual kinesthetic learner in jujitsu. So like, I wanna make sure to say this, that I'm gonna describe this specifically for martial arts, and this does not necessarily mean that I'm not an audible learner in like a classroom type of you know environment or that people are gonna be restricted to these three because there's actually more than this, but for a physical thing like martial arts, it's pretty much reduced to those three, kinesthetic, visual, and audible, okay? okay. So, um, so being able to see something done and then being able to do it, and this also doesn't mean that words aren't important. There are words that are important, but if someone talks too much, then I get lost. Sure, okay. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so being able to identify how you learn, and is it the words, or is it visually doing it, or is it you seeing and hearing and then being able to do it, and then when you're doing it, and then listen to little cues when you ask questions, like, hey coach or hey professor, I just don't feel how this is supposed to work. You're probably a kinesthetic learner, right? Or hey professor, I don't see how this is supposed to work. You're probably a visual learner, right? So there's these little cues and I use these cues when I teach. When I teach individuals, I listen for the word that they use when they ask the questions so that way I can better relate to them. But that's a side note. Um, so Something that we can do is one, take notes. Taking notes directly after class is great, but um, my, one of my really good friends, Ruben, um, and he's actually co-owner here and uh, also a first degree black belt in jiu-jitsu, but um, he started taking privates with me years ago. And um, what he would do is, because he had a long drive back home, is that he would voice note into his phone what we went over that day. And then when he got home, he would listen back to it hmm. while he typed it into his computer. Interesting, okay. So then you're using all of the modes, right? Mm -hmm. So you're speaking it out, you're listening to it back, and then you're putting it back through physically by typing it or writing it. That's a great idea. Right? And that's something that can really help you retain information in that kind of mode because in, it's important to understand that the level of detail that you need to be at right is like really think about how it felt like remember what it felt like to shift that way remember what it felt like for your hip to move across the mat remember what it felt like for your foot to plant all of those little details like just really embody it and the great thing is neurologically your brain doesn't know differently mm -hmm. um, there's been numerous studies that have been done that when learning in that way, your body doesn't know the difference between physically doing it, as long as it has a reference, mm -hmm. and mentally doing it. This is very true. <laughs> this is something I will eventually discuss and, and publish things on my Instagram and, and things like that. Oh, nice. Um, but neuroscience is my <laughs> is my um, my intention in moving here. That was my goal: is to 
get a PhD in neuroscience. Amazing. Yeah, yeah so you definitely know. You know, um, I like to use a study that was done, I don't remember what university, but just they, what they did was took like 30 participants in each group and they had them come to a basketball and they made sure that they'd never learned to shoot a basketball ever before, right? So that was the only, and they set up a study and they put like 30 people and they shot baskets and they recorded how many baskets they made and they split them into three groups, group A, group B, and group C. So group A, they, throughout the week, then brought them back to the basketball court and taught them how to shoot baskets. Hmm. Group B, they took to a classroom and they gave them visuals and they had them sit and really process and think about the detail and the dimples on the ball and what it felt like and the weight and all of that. And then they visually and audibly and kinesthetically had them close their eyes and shoot baskets. More visualization type mm -hmm. stuff. And then group C was the control. And a week later they brought them back to the basketball court and they had each of them shoot baskets again. And I always ask students this question because this is an example that I use for the power of our mind. Um, and they are like, oh, group A definitely, you know, like statistically was, you know, they had a better result just because they were physically doing it. There's no statistical difference between group A and group B. Okay, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it's amazing to yeah. me, you know, so. yourself what you need whatever that is and it's you know to me um, there are two secrets to jiu-jitsu secrets and really it's, it's things that we all know it's not a secret it's perseverance and repetition mm -hmm. perseverance gets you in the door if you go you're naturally gonna get reps period if you show up you will get repetitions if you get repetitions you will get better at something Sure, yeah. You know, and then it's just the perseverance plus repetition over time equals better. Definitely, yeah. And But I would say that applies to anything and everything in life. Perseverance. I, I've always said reinforcement and repetition is the elements of memory. Mm. Um, but perseverance, it's an interesting word to replace that with. Because it's not just um, it's not just encompassing the activity. It's really talking. You're talking about yourself. Yeah, and <laughs> your actions. Yourself is going to be the thing that actually dictates whether you do the rep or not. Yeah. You know, like if how many times do we convince ourselves that the couch is just looking really comfortable, and that we know that there's a couple you know cold drinks in the fridge, and we hear Netflix calling our name to just binge watch something. And we convince ourselves that that's more important than going to an academy or going to a gym or going right on that other side. Does that make sense? It does. And then how much do we guilt and shame ourselves when we don't do it? Which then, no one really likes feeling guilt. No one really likes feeling shame. And we're really good at doing both of those things to ourselves. Yes. <laughs> so then how many times do we not go again? because how much guilt and shame we're actually carrying from missing one. Right. And then just another day, and then another day, and then that compounds and compounds and compounds, and then people don't come back. 
just think about New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. This is the cycle I get into because it's the guilt and shame, the more so shame than oh, guilt. Shame, for sure. I'm not I'm not sure what your definition of the two is, but guilt for me is I did something bad, and shame is I am bad. Yes, I agree. Um, and I it's hard to create that separation because I want to show up. I am a part of a team, you know, it's not just sh me showing up for myself, um, but getting stuck in, oh, I missed a class, or this didn't go the way I wanted it to, and oh, I've got to go later. I get stuck in that. that that's probably my biggest obstacle. Absolutely, and I, I, I do personally believe it's more shame than it is guilt also, but just more relatability to others that may not be, you know what I mean, understand the difference between those two, I bring those kind of two together. Um, are you familiar, I'm sure you're familiar with Brene Brown's work. Yes, um, and that's her definition yes, of shame and guilt. that's what yeah. I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, her atlas of the heart and really being yes. able to define and really get into what these emotions are um, and the words, you know, one of the most profound things that she says in the book and then she also has that special on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. Um, the words that we choose define our reality. Right, yes. So that alone is just something that like, well, okay, I'm, I don't use the word overwhelm as much. I'm highly stressed right now, I'm really stressed right now, or, but because stressed, I can still continue to operate. When I say the word overwhelm, then I'm probably gonna be shut down in 20 minutes. <laughs> Because I'm, my, my, I've already convinced myself that I'm in overwhelm. So then I'm not going to be able to continue to sure. move. Th this is very important. <laughs> it's not that it's uh, lost on me. It's, it's something I'm still working through. But it's um, finding what those triggers are. What words do that to you? Absolutely. And I think it's also really important to say on the other end, and to follow that thought through with understanding how we move from missing that day when the shame does come to then understand that we just need to have a little self-reflection, that we need to just get to that point where we build a habit of like, how was my day today mm -hmm. as I'm, before I go to bed? And really check in and say, how was my day today? Well, I didn't make it to jujitsu. And that's okay because I now have the opportunity to bring in two other really important words in my world, which are grace and compassion. I'm gonna give myself the fact that I'm a human being and I make errors and I make mistakes and I have these things happen and I'm tired or I have some other things come up in my life or I'm just not emotionally like able to step into a room sure. full of people or all kinds of things and instead of the shame just being like well you didn't make it jiu-jitsu you're a bad person right mm -hmm. but then you, through self-reflection and grace and compassion then we can actually get to some more of the roots some more of the trunks of why am I shaming myself right mm -hmm. it's a tool it's a it's an effective tool in some regard I'm, I'm not encouraging it by any <laughs> by any means but Shame is how I'm conditioned. To use shame to, I was an athlete in school, I was a distance runner, and um, my older siblings were too. So uh, trying to be as good as my older siblings and 
you know, not making practice or not making what have you, whatever the goal is. Uh, that was always my mode. And I completely understand. And like, there are aspects where we have to have shame. It's not that like we can kill it. Mm-hmm. You know, we you hear that said a lot in the kind of um, the work realm. You know, like in mental health realm. That like sometimes mm-hmm. you have to kill a part of yourself and be able to move on. And it's but shame is not one of those things. Yeah. And I just feel that it's we in the in society today we so often look at things through black and white lenses and we're so polarized that we've just lost this ability to really see the in-between and understand that it's like it's a scale it's not just this side of this you know this end or this end on or off it's more of a sometimes it's 99% over here sometimes it's 99% over there but most of the time it's somewhere in between it's a spectrum yeah Yeah. absolutely I I think um, just shifting back to mental health I think that that has been the biggest um, experience for me is accepting myself accepting my shadow self Um, (laughs) (laughs) not that's not easy it's not easy but this is a um a catalyst for that it's it (laughs) i'm trying to think of who i was last year i'm not the same person but it it helped me in such a way to really develop the confidence that i don't think i could have done otherwise I, i don't think there's another I'm interested in so many different things in, in, in dance and um, just the arts in general, like expressing myself in other ways. I, I didn't have that confidence before I came here. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and I think that's true for so many people because we're not just getting to a better idea of ourselves currently, connecting to something that we've always been. Mm -hmm. We've just disconnected in the last 250 years, and even in the last 75 to 100 years. We used to challenge ourselves in totally different ways as human beings. We used to rub up against all kinds of edges because we had to, to survive, literally. Yeah. And now we have so much comfort that this brings us back to some of those edges. Does that make sense? It does. Right? Like, I think about women on the planes during, you know, homesteading, like they had nine, 10, 11 children. Sure, yeah. On their own with no to little help, you know, like Mm -hmm. to men going out in small groups and going into lands that they didn't know to, you know, like, and I mean, that's a tumultuous, I chose a kind of tumultuous time to kind of refer to, but, um, you know, just the, the rites of passage, 
you know, in almost every culture on the planet. You know, mm -hmm. I'm more familiar with a lot of Native American practices just because of my background in North American archaeology, but just understanding how we've lost so much of that. I mean, young men, 12, 13, 14 years old, were taken from their mothers. I know. And taken out into the wilderness and explained what it was to be a man and shown what it was to be a man and went through arduous stuff to go through to be a man. Women, when they got their first menstruation, were taken and folded into the group as now being a woman mm -hmm. and having ritual and having tradition and having ceremony around that. And then really that helped shift so much psychology, you know, for people of the past and they just knew who they were more fundamentally than we do. You know, I think as parents, we don't get, you know, everyone always has the saying, well, it doesn't come with an instruction manual, mm -hmm. but we culturally don't do that either. We culturally don't sit expecting parents or we don't, you know, talk about how to parent before the baby really comes out. And then mm -hmm. the next thing you know, you're like, I have no idea how to yeah. do this. Does that make sense? And there's so much of that across the board, you know, like um, I think, and I can speak because I've just done a lot of men's work in the last couple of years is we have a bunch of man babies running around, you know, because we still have so many men that are stuck in boy psychology and haven't shifted into man psychology yet, you know, that we, we don't even understand a lot of that stuff. We have no one teaching us those things. Or very few people teaching those things, I should say. Sure, the yeah. resources are out there, um, which I think is great to see um, access to, you know, all of those things. And I'm just seeing it more and more. I just saw like a news little a news blurb today for a local channel talking about men's health, and this gentleman was on talking about vulnerability and mm -hmm. you know things along those lines. And I was just like, this is awesome. You know, the MMA fighter who just recently after post-fight, I can't remember his name, but he really spoke to like, man, if you guys are hurting, oh, yes, like, yes. please, if In you London. feel like you need to kill, like yeah. if you want suicidal, please reach out to somebody. It's, it's okay to reach out to somebody. Just giving people permission to do those things mm -hmm. is so, so important, you know, that we don't need to bottle up our emotions, that we don't need to be stoic all the time, that we don't need to, you know, just be, man, get, get weird, get vulnerable, you know, and, and truly, like, there's a lot of resources out there. There's all kinds of men's groups. You know, I'm personally part of my friend Traver Bone's men's group, The Nation. Um, he wrote the book Man Uncivilized, and then there's Connor Beaton's, The Alliance, and there's, you know, Sacred Sons. There's all kinds. There's plenty out there now, and I think it's wonderful that we're starting to see more resources for that. And I'm not saying, obviously, there's, this is just what I'm more familiar with. Um, and I also know that there's a, more and more women's groups that are coming up that are online, like uh, Leela Dilla's Heart Space, which is great. Um, they just come together and there's resources online and there's community and things along those lines. And I think that's the word that we're really missing a lot of times, is we're so isolated. As connected as we are, we're so isolated as humans. It's really unhealthy. And getting back into some form of community, getting back to some kind of cohesive understanding that we're not alone in our struggles, that we're not alone in the things that we're processing and working through. Um, it's just a really important kind of message to get out there. I think so too. I, that's my intention is to provide free resources or um, it, it make it accessible for everyone.
It's mental health is a part of our health. It's a part of our um, human experience, um, and we need to have we need to have resources so that we can stay connected to each other. Absolutely, and that's honestly one of the you know um, foundational pieces on how I run this community here. You know, the academy is that I am accessible and that people can talk to me and that I speak to a little bit of mental health you know, occasionally on the mat, or we just have a small discussion because I've heard something similar between groups or, you know, just just that alone, you know? I close out the fundamentals classes with just a breathing exercise, just to build some presence. I mean, how many people just aren't present? How many people don't know how to do meditation, you know, don't have a meditation practice? And just being for two minutes, is something that can be so beneficial for your day mm-hmm. and just your psyche in general. Definitely. And I notice when I'm not in alignment, I'm just kind of rushing through life and just kind of being being in it all. <laughs> it's, it is overwhelming. <laughs> it's really easy to get swept up. It's so easy to get swept off your feet and just right back into the old, the old mind, right? Um, Really, it takes a bunch of compassion and grace to get us back on track. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, hey, at least now you're recognizing that you're on a pattern. I think that's such a massive step that people don't give them credit for. Certainly, yeah. And that it takes repetitions in that. So many people just have this expectation, and I'm one of them. I have the expectation that, like, well, I ident- identified it. So therefore, I should be better at it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you know, but we convince ourselves of that. Well, I know that I've got an anger issue. I know I've got an aggression issue, so therefore, I should be better at it. And then it's, but I'm not fixing any of the stuff that actually brings that out of me mm-hmm. when I do that. And it just takes repetition and repetition and understanding, like, that, man, I got to bring some admittance in my life gotta admit over and over again that I have this issue and through that process then I can move into more awareness and then I need a lot more repetitions and awareness in order to bring that to a better understanding of acceptance and then accepting the fact that like it's always going to bounce back and forth between awareness and acceptance because you know to use in a jiu-jitsu analogy it's like me saying that I'm never going to get an arm locked again I'm going to get arm locked again <laughs> it's going to happen Right? In life, something's, something's going to activate me. Something's going to bring something out of me. No matter how much work I've done, there's going to be something that comes out of left field that just like, uh-oh. All right. Well, now I'm in this for the next 45 minutes instead of this controlling me for the next three months. Mm-hmm. And that's a massive difference. I'm going to let you ask me a question so we can wrap with this, if you'd like to ask me a question. I would love to. <laughs> so, actually, a couple. Okay, sure, sure. Um, I'm open. What's the most profound thing that you've learned about yourself and or just your understanding of jujitsu? Oh, no. <laughs> um... Let's go there, okay. Um, 
I have a kind of maybe a, well, I have a very unique background, <laughs> let's say this. I was um, kind of raised in a Buddhist temple. Okay. So that's my background. That's my, my, my name is Tibetan, uh, just kind of my family culture and, and my spirituality was developed before I even had memories. So I was meditating at a very early age. So uh, the aspect of violence and allowing yourself to show anger is something I struggle with quite a bit. So realizing that everything that I thought was just loving and the right way to do things also encompasses this. That's the biggest thing I've learned, that this is love too. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Mm. I like that. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen at some point. Every time I meet, I see you, I cry. Whether it's after, afterwards or during, <laughs> I cry every time. <laughs> so, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Hopefully they're good cries. No, good cries. Good cries, yes. <laughs> good cries. <laughs> um. So in the mental health realm, and having the background as far as Buddhism goes, why do you think anger is so vilified in our society? Hmm. That might be hard to answer. Um, there's just a misunderstanding. It's, it's not understanding ourselves. It's, Anger has a purpose, just like everything in life. I mean, the worst things in life have a purpose and have existed for, you know, racism has existed longer than I have. So when I experience it, it's less about me than something that's always, that's always kind of been here, so. It's the other. Mm -hmm. The other has always been here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's accepting the shadow part is accepting that this is just human beings can do really terrible things but they can do really amazing things it, it really isn't um you don't have to put the emotion behind it you don't have to um make that association that it's good or bad mm. and i've just been doing work with anger recently and that's why i asked that question um i'm reading a book called by a gentleman named robert masters um, called To Be a Man, and he really refers to anger as like, he doesn't even refer to it healthy anger, he just calls it anger and says that in anger, we can actually have access to our heart. We can actually have access to compassion. We can actually have access to love. We can actually have access to empathy. That it's not, it's not a negative thing. It's when we shift anger to aggression Aggression is suppression, it's dominance, it's mm -hmm. trying to make someone feel what you feel, right? Whereas anger, you can be flamboyant and you can be loud, but you can just say, I can understand how you did this, but this still makes me really angry. Yes. 
anger is uh, it def it definitely helps you connect with compassion and I don't know I think it's 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 that challenge it's life's challenge it pushes you until you say okay enough I'm gonna do something about it <laughs> my boundary has been crossed a few too many times like I need to have actual conversation and I need to hold my ground and I need to actually draw the line in the sand mm -hmm. Those are profound moments. This is that's what jujitsu did to me. Mm. It made me do it. <laughs> that's awesome. Amazing. I think it's so amazing that you and I can have this conversation where we're talking a lot about jujitsu, but we can't leave out the mental health side of it. You just because that's what it does. Mm -hmm. That's why so many people recommend it. That's why so many people are beginning to do it. Is because it is it draws things out of you that you didn't know existed before. And it does make you face the shadow. And it, you know, like, and going down into that basement is not fun. It's scary down there. I remember going in my grandma's basement, you know, and seeing the creepy dolls in the corner and mm. running back upstairs because I thought something was going to reach under the stairs and grab me. <laughs> so it is. It can be an intimidating. So... If you had, um, if you had one thing to, one piece of advice to say to someone just starting jujitsu, what would it be? One piece of advice, or an experience of like what it was for you to first step into an academy and how that process was. I think it's important for us to share those moments so that people understand that like you're still gonna be nervous. But like someone, most of the time when they hear it from me, they're like, but you've been doing jujitsu 18 years. Like, Yes, okay. <laughs> does that make yes, sense? Yes, it does make sense. Well, I definitely remember my first experience. I Google searched martial or self-defense mm -hmm. and just called the first one that was nearby. And just, I had this preconceived notion that this, Ali Kurali was gonna just be a joke, honestly. Like because in Texas, when I was looking for self-defense classes, they didn't they didn't take it seriously. It wasn't a, it wasn't like their life. It wasn't this. This is <laughs> we only trained once every couple of months. It wasn't it wasn't an integration to to your life. So. Um, I came in with it like this, okay, I'll just go and do this class, but I, <laughs> I, I talked to him on the phone and then I met him in person. I just, shame, it's just like, don't think that, because, give this person a chance. And I, it, it just changed me. I, I took a women's class, that was how I got introduced, and it was to striking and um, to Muay Thai. And then I, I ended up taking a, um, you know, the class with all of the members and had a panic attack my first time coming in uh, because I just had that notion that uh, this isn't real or, or not, not to believe in these people or whatever it was. I didn't really buy into it until they showed me, <laughs> which was pretty instant. I mean, going into that environment, I just, that's real. This is real. This is really what it is. Well, limitless martial arts is amazing. Ali's amazing. Yes. You know, and his and her and his wife is amazing. And yes. It's an amazing community. It's a part of the association. And um, yeah, that's that's awesome. 
thank you for sharing. Um, I also had a like panic attack before I went in for my first <laughs> class. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I didn't know if they were just going to be a bunch of ruffians and beat me up on the mat and say, you know, and that was going to be the experience from then on and then walking in and um, I didn't meet my professor the first time I went, but then when I went back and meeting Dave and how welcoming he was and how open he was and how, you know, everything along those lines. And I've heard so many different stories. Like, I know people that it took like two months of them going to the parking lot and saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, and then be like, I can't sure, go. Yeah. And then driving away, you know? And then finally, after two months, they said, okay, I'm doing it. And then getting into the door and having it profoundly change their life. I think once you get over the hump of doing it, that's that's one. And then just kind of getting, for me, getting over the hump of being seen. Uh, <laughs> and I said this, I think, in my first episode that I, <laughs> I just thought I would go in and sit in the back and nobody would notice me. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. I'm a black woman. Of course, people are going to notice me because there's not there's not a ton of women in the classes. And I'm, of course, I'm a new person. They're going to notice me. And, and I didn't think of myself, you know, getting promoted. I just didn't include myself mm. until I was included. I was like, oh, I'm a part of this. And the worth, the self-worth to, like, understand that the, the community sees worth in everyone that comes in. Mm -hmm. And every new person for an academy owner isn't because it's the dollar bill. It's because it's another opportunity for them to have another person in there that's gonna make others better. <laughs> because that's what we truly do when we do martial arts. That's one of the unique things that we do is we challenge each other as human beings. That it's another human being, and I would say in jiu-jitsu it's the ground, right? <laughs> the, other, the other thing you fight is definitely the mat, just as much as you may be fighting a a other person, right? And I say fighting loosely. But it's those, that understanding, like how many other places can we gain trust in another human being like we do in a safe martial arts school? To understand that like in jiu-jitsu, if you tap and they don't let go, they can physically harm you and it be a detriment in your life. Or it can be even more than that can end your life mm -hmm. right so those it's it's a unique thing in that way and for me some of the greatest friendships most of the greatest friendships I have are people that have done jiu-jitsu I spend most of my time with people that do jiu-jitsu and, and martial <laughs> arts and and I feel like it's it is a safe place for me to experience something like that but it's uh, I feel like this this is my family like anywhere I go, it's, I feel a part of that. And losing so much of my family in the most recent years, that's been so important to me. So mm -hmm. I found that in, in all of this and for you, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a... Uh, community is a... It's so important. It's so vital for us. In, in a day and age where we, I mean, I think it's moving and shifting a little bit. We're starting to get more multi-generational homes again. Um, but where our expectation is that we should be out on our own. Mm -hmm. 
and that we need to disconnect from our families, you know, or we, you know, like yourself, I lost my father as well, and um, yeah, it's just one of those hard things, you know, that like, you don't have that access to that information anymore. You know? Right, and it creates this space that's, for me, it's, it's, I'm still kind of wrestling with it, but with my mom passing, it creates this really unique space that I get to be somebody different, honestly. Mm. Um, I got to step into this. And the it, most interesting thing that I'll close with is that the things that I've learned throughout my life through my mom and studying Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism specifically, has helped me understand this the most. There's this esoteric element that I just have studied my whole life and it's just clicking with, as, as I go on learning more and more classes, I can't look away from this because it is, this is just, this is just it. It's just true. And it becomes a part of you. <laughs> and you are a part of it. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, that reciprocal relationship. Reciprocity is one of my things, so. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, and this was a wonderful conversation, and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. I'm of glad course. we did it. <laughs>